Man, it's great to see you all. I'm just telling you, God's looking down from heaven, and he is excited about his church coming together. He is excited. All of heaven is rejoicing, even if you're not. And God knows the potential. As Alan said, the word of God planted in your heart has the potential for 30, 60, and 100-fold. I'm telling you, the devil's at work. The Bible says, Jesus said, listen, there, there's a, the sower's going to sow the word. I'm going to sow the word today. He says he'll sow the word. If your heart is dry ground and hard ground, the enemy will come immediately before you get out the door. He'll have somebody say something, give you a cross look. He'll plant an idea in your heart. Why? Immediately to steal the word from you. Why? Because he knows the potential of that word, maybe even better than you do. He knows if that word gets down on the inside of you, it'll change your life. It'll start producing 30, 60, and 100 fold. So he'll come immediately to distract you and steal that seed away. If it takes a little bit of hold on your life, he'll try to get it Monday or Tuesday with the things of life coming, the storms, the, the heat of the day, the pressure of the day coming. He'll try to get that to just get set by the side because of the pressure. If he doesn't get it by Wednesday, by Friday, he'll get you caught up in the cares of other things and work and business and making money to just choke it out. But he said, if you'll hold on to it, if you'll embrace it, if you'll hide it in your heart, it will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. As we look at it, as we open up to it, that, the, that we look at it, it is the holy written word of God. God is faithful, always faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. See, even when we're faithless, God is faithful because he cannot deny himself. He's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it and will he not do it? See, we try to make that all, you know what, uh, we try to make it about God. Well, God's not doing what he said he would do. No, God always does what he says he's going to do. See, we just start to think, well, I did something. God should respond to that immediately. It took us a little while to respond to God to figure it out. But he's not even doing that. He's not saying, well, it took you a long time, so it's going to take me a long time. No, he's just getting us positioned for the right time in the right place with the right people to see extraordinary things happen. See, if it was up to us, we'd want it immediately, and we'd just get about this much. But God wants to prepare us to see extraordinary things. See, God is a God who's more than enough. When we sing that, we sing, God, you're all that I need. And then about Monday, we're like, well, you're almost all that I need. You're kind of all that I need. But see, Paul knew that. Paul said, listen, I've learned to abound, and I've learned to be abased. He said, whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. Not that he sat back and just went, well, big deal. He said, whatever state, whether I have a lot or I have a little, I know that God, not my bank account, not my business, not my emotional reservoir that somebody else has to fill up or is not filling up, none of that is even really enough. But no matter what state it is, whether I'm in a good time and everybody's telling me how great I am, or whether I'm in a bad time and everybody's complaining about how rotten I am, or whether I have enough in my bank account or I don't, I'm content because God is more than enough. He's more than enough to take care of me spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. He's more than enough. And so it doesn't matter what's going on around me. It may be good one day and not so great the next day, but he's good all the time. Somebody say, God's good, God's all, the time. all the time. Come on, life might not be good to you all the time. Your spouse might not be good to you all the time. Your boss might not be good to you all the time. But God is good all the time. 
Come on, that's where the enemy's trying to get us distracted. We get our eyes on other people and what they're doing, and we say, well, God, what about? And he says, what about what? What about this thing? What about this person? What about my money? What about? He's like, well, you, what about it? You got your eye on all that. He said, the moment you can get your eye off that and get your eye on me, what about is going to start changing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, that's all free. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just want to remind you just, just a, a, of a couple of things. Again, if you have an opportunity to go up and celebrate with New Creation Church, Craig, their 20-year anniversary, uh, that'll be awesome. Shekinah Glory will be there. Just in case you're going up to see Shekinah Glory and you just have one night to go, uh, I don't want you to go up and be disappointed tonight. I'm, I'm kicking it off tonight uh, for them. I'll be up there tonight. Tasha will, Pastor Tasha will be here tonight, and Shekinah Glory will be there Monday and Tuesday. So if you run up there tonight and say, I'm looking forward to seeing Shekinah Glory, uh, you'll just get me. Um, but uh, you can come up and celebrate with them. It's awesome. 20 years of planting that. I was, I've been thinking about this, and I just remember when they started in their basement, and then we opened that storefront uh, there in Craig, and then they rented that space in the mall. Pretty soon they got their, their land, built their building. Uh, they're doing an awesome job, so it's amazing what God uh, can do in really a short period of time, and we're going to be up there celebrating uh, with them uh, in that. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And then out there, uh, the compassion table. Uh, we've supported in compassion uh, a child for a number of years. And then I remember we went to Kenya, Africa, and uh, uh, Joanne and Todd, they'd been sponsoring uh, a young man for a long, long time. And they got a chance. We went to Africa, and they got a chance to meet their son that they sponsored. So you never know what, what's going to happen, how God's going to lead your path, but it's just awesome to get involved in that. Amen. Well, we started a series uh, just a couple of weeks ago that we uh, uh, entitled The Church Undeniable. The Church Undeniable. Come on now, I believe that there's a time right now where we can't come together and kind of just be so-so. A minister said some years ago, I was in a men's conference, and he said, you know, God spoke to him and said, you know, a casual observance of what you know in these last days could cost you your life. A casual observance of what you know in these last days could cost you your life. It's really not a time to become casual as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, but a time to really understand that he has really raised us up to be definable and undeniable. That word undeniable means this. It just means plainly true. Plainly true. In other words, it should be plainly and distinctly true that we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll begin to get to it. We're trying to break it down. But one way that we're really going to be definitely, plainly true that we are his, he said, the way that they'll know that you are my disciples is your love one for another. But as God establishes things so that we know that really this is just undeniably true, another uh, definition is unquestionably excellent or genuine. Unquestionably excellent or genuine. We go to the book of Daniel and it says, listen, Daniel separated himself from everyone else in that day. Why? Because an excellent spirit was found on the inside of him said amongst all the leaders, amongst all the governors, amongst all the satraps that were there, it said Daniel distinguished. Everybody say distinguished. Daniel distinguished himself because there was an, un, an excellent spirit, an undeniable spirit that was on the inside of him. 
That was one man, but I believe in these last days that Jesus is raising up a church that is unquestionably that we have an excellent spirit on the inside of us and that we operate and we, we move in such a way that it is genuine. This is not faux faith. This is not just dead religion, but this is a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us. It's a raising up to stand up and say, no, we are here for such a time as this. We are here in this day, in this generation, not to be overwhelmed by the political system, not to be overwhelmed by the financial system, not to be overwhelmed by whatever may come in pandemics or flus or what may come. We're not to be overwhelmed, but we are to stand out with a spirit of excellence. We are to stand out with a belief that he is more than enough, that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is Savior of the world. Come on. And in that, when that stirs in your heart, there is a life that begins to team. And that life and that relationship begins to team with power to overcome, to conquer every situation that takes place. So Paul lived in a day that was much different than ours. Paul did not live in America. I know some of you don't know that. Paul did not live in a democracy. Paul did not live where the church had preeminence in the social and political gathering. He lived in a time when the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was persecuted in every way. He said, but I thank God he always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. He said, no matter what comes, neither life nor death, nor angels or principalities, nor things present or things to come, financial distress, famine, peril, nakedness, or sword. He said there's something about it, nothing, nothing, nothing that comes. It's undeniable that nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. They did everything they could to discourage him and get him to denounce Jesus and to come against him and say, you know what, maybe it's not worth it to serve him. He said, you can't do anything to me that will cause me to not know the love of Christ because I've experienced it. I've had an encounter with Jesus himself and his saving grace and his love towards me. And it doesn't matter what I have or what you do to me. I'm linked inevitably, undeniably. He is mine. I am his. I'm in him. He's in me. I'm too intricately linked. It's in him. Not just in Western Colorado, not just in Newcastle or Silt or Rifle or Parachute or Eagle or Gypsum or Basalt or Glenwood. It's not just there that I dwell, but it's in him, Christ Jesus, that I live, that I move, and that I have my very being. He said, when we get convinced of that, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. There's something undeniable that picks us up. When the devil tries to knock us down, he picks us back up. I like what Joe McGee says. You know, he's teaching on marriage. He says, God never said that we weren't a people that would get knocked down. But he said, we are a getting up people. We are a getting up people. That just makes the devil mad. Come on, he'll try to hit you with his best shot, and you get right back up. You just tell him you ain't so bad. Come on, God's better. Amen, so we launched it off. We talked about we can be the church undeniable because we have an undeniable leader 
His name is Jesus. And then we took a couple weeks to talk about we have an undeniable word. The word of God remains forever. Zalon said that word of God has such potential to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Though heaven and earth may pass away, the word of God will always be undeniably true. Understand this, that every single person in this room will someday stand before the throne of Jesus Christ himself and give an account. And this word will never change. No matter what your excuse for life, he will still have his word that will be absolutely true. No matter what your situation or my situation, no matter what my excuse for not doing the word or, or, or for doing the word, his word will be what he brings to us and it will still remain true forever. If he said you'd be blessed at what you did for good, you'll be blessed. If he said you'll be penalized for what you did bad, you'll be penalized. He won't change his mind about that. So we should pay attention to his word. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Come on, we should pay attention to his word. Come on, we've got casual about his word. So well, when I get there, he'll understand. He'll understand one thing. He's always faithful to his word. So well, I'm trying, it's not working. But see, if you have unforgiveness in your heart and you're not ready to expose it, if you've been lying and, and keeping things secret and you're not ready to expose it, you got stuff that's hindering that from working and he will expose it. The Holy Spirit will help you. You can get it out. So when you stand there, what's his word true? He said, listen, you repented and I forgave it as far as the east is from the west. I don't know what you're talking about. But he says, let's talk about this. You say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. He'll say, oh, well, let's just run, roll that tape, please. Come on, we ought to give attention to his word. But this morning, I want to send just, just, just a few minutes, yeah, a few minutes now, on talking about an undeniable redemption. An undeniable redemption. I don't know about you. When I got into the word of God, we used to say this a lot. I'm a blood-bought, blood-washed child of the Most High God. Why don't you just say, with, say that with me? I am a blood-bought, blood-washed child of the Most High God. Say it again. I am a blood-bought, blood-washed child of the Most High God. Come on, say it with a little bit of enthusiasm. Say, I am a blood-bought, blood-washed child of the Most High God. Come on, we're going to dive in a little bit, but that means everything to you as a Christian. It means everything to you as a Christian. You might stand up and try to say, but look at, look at what I've done. How, look at how much church I've attended. You may stand before Jesus and say, I went to church every Sunday. But if you don't realize that his blood bought you, that his blood washed you, it doesn't matter what else you've done. But when you realize I'm washed in the blood, I'm washed in that soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. I'm cleansed. I've been washed. I've been sanctified. I've been made holy, not by my works, not by my thoughts, but by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you can do anything. You can go anywhere. You can do exploits for God. When you realize, listen, my past is washed away. It's spotless. It's better than tied clean. It's blood-washed. 
Come on, when you got a hold on you and you're like, I can't do it anymore. This has my, this past has me gripped. You start to say, no, no, no. I am blood bought. I don't care what hold you got on me. I don't care where I gave that to you. Jesus gave his life and he purchased my life with his own blood. I am a blood bought, blood washed child of the most high God. And anytime the enemy tries to come and dissuade you, if you stand up and say, whoa, he tries to remind you of your past. Wait a minute. The blood washed that. He tries to tell you, you can't get free from that. You can't help it. Wait a minute. The blood purchased my life. And set me free. Come on, we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Ephesians chapter 1, starting verse 3, says this Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, everybody say every, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as He chose us in Him, in Him, Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Come on, somebody highlight that underline that rejoice about that that what jesus did and god had planned from the beginning of the world is that we should be holy and without blame holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glory the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved in him, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together one in all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. He said, listen, because of his blood, he's pulling everything together. At the end, he's pulling it all together, heaven and earth together, everything in him. I mean, you just need to read this. It's, it's like he had this all planned to abound towards you, to fill you up, to the praise and the glory of his grace. He did something to wash you and to cleanse you and to cleanse me so we could experience the goodness of his will, the abundance of his grace, the fullness of his mercy. He redeemed you and me. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. Come on, His blood redeemed your life from destruction. That was the price paid. The word redeemed means to ransom back. If you don't understand it, and even if you do understand it, sometimes we get casual about it. We lose thought. We, we, we get distracted, and all of a sudden the enemy comes, and he tries to pull us back like he has some authority or some hook in our life. He tries to grab us emotionally and pull us back in to emotional things that would stir us up. He tries to bring our mind back to recollection of things. He's trying to do things because at Adam, you were sold into slavery. You were sold into the slavery of sin, that sin and its thoughts, its consequences, and its temptation would dominate you. But Jesus came and he hung on the cross and he ransomed your life and he ransomed my life. Because there was a price that had to be paid for your life and for my life. 
And it wasn't you trying to do as good as you could. There was only one price that could be paid. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so it took the shedding of his blood to redeem you, to ransom your life. And understand this, that when he ransomed your life, he pulled you out of sin and its bondage, and he pulled you out and he set you in his own kingdom. He delivered you from the power of darkness and conveyed you or translated you into his kingdom where righteousness and love and peace and joy, his mercy and his grace rule and reign over every situation in life. Yet we struggle with those things so often. And really there's a truth, and I don't, I don't have time to go into it in too much depth, but there's a truth that they've discovered in psychology. It's called Stockholm Syndrome, that somebody can, you can uh, be captured by somebody and begin to live with them. And even when you're set free, all of a sudden you're more attached to the person who brought you into bondage than you are with your freedom. And unfortunately, as Christians, I believe that too often we have Stockholm Syndrome, that even though the blood of Jesus has set us free, we have some endearment to the devil who bound us to sin and death. And that's what the devil is counting on, is even though he's driving and destroying and breaking your life and destroying your marriage and your family, that somehow you, you have some endearment because you've been there all your life. But Jesus said, listen, I came to pay the price to set you free. I broke the chains that held you back. I opened the prison doors. Now it's up to you to walk out and to step into the freedom and the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And it's not by your own works, it's not by your own good deeds, but only by his blood. Listen to this, 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 18. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, for your aimless conduct received by the traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. I love it when the writers write this. He said, he didn't just go over it very fast. He said, you weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. Anybody who knows always puts a value on the blood of Jesus. Because see, without the value of the blood of Jesus, you lose the power that's in the blood. What's he talking about? He he really says the results of understanding that you're redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus really brings us to this place. He says, therefore, gird up your loins. This is verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Now, I know that's going to get all of you. Oh, here we go. We got to be holy. Listen, holy doesn't mean wearing a dress up to here, your hair in a bun, dress down to here, no makeup. It means live in a purity of life. And the Bible says we worship Jesus in the beauty of holiness. 
Somehow the devil's caused us to think that holiness is some kind of hard thing to do and it really looks hard and, and you grind and you, you got to mess up your face or you got to look sad and pious to be holy. But really there's a beauty to holiness. There's a freedom to holiness. When you don't live with any guilt, you don't live with any shame, you don't leave, live feeling like, you know, I got some dirt on me. No, holiness is where I live pure and I can live that way and live holy because he is holy. And he says, listen, you can gird up the loins of your mind so the devil doesn't get your thought life all running there. You can leave the former conduct that you had, and it's all because you weren't redeemed with silver and gold. Your life wasn't purchased with money that's temporal, but your life and my life was purchased and redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. Come on, the revelation of that, that's not something that we be casual about right now. If we're going to be the church undeniable, there's something that we have to say. There's something that we have to walk around with our heart. When the enemy tries to pull us, when society and culture tries to squeeze around us, we have to put our foot down and say, no, I am a blood-bought, blood-washed child of the Most High God. I'm not going back. I'm not going through that again. I'm going forward, and I'm going forward with him. Listen to this. We don't hear this as much in the church today. And well, praise the Lord. We'll just read the word. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Now listen, right before this, it says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but we should gather together even more as we see the day approaching. He says, as the day approaches, things are going to get worse and worse. So we need to come together to encourage one another to love and good works, to encourage one another to love and good works. Why? Why? So we put that in a little capsule to say, y'all should come to church. But there's a reason why we should all gather together. There's a reason why we should be encouraging one another why we're here. There's a reason why I'm talking to you about this today is because on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, you're going to be pulled by every situation of life. And you need to remember there's other people like you. There's people standing for what Jesus has done. There's other blood-bought, blood-washed children of God standing with you. And there's a reason to reach out and tell others that there is a blood of Jesus that can cleanse them from all their sin and this is what the writer of Hebrews says he says for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin come on if Jesus blood didn't do it for you it can't be done but I'm telling you it does it for you come on if you put your faith in the blood it does it for you he said, there's not, not another sacrifice, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant, which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. Come on, he says, you are redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. Just listen to me, church. I believe in mercy and grace, and without it, I wouldn't be here today. I thank God for the mercy of God. But if we're not careful as the church right now, 
We won't even help our brothers and sisters and encourage them to get out of sin because of what goes on. We have people staying out of church because when I go to church, I, I feel bad about the sin that I'm in. Listen, you should come to church so people can encourage you. Listen, I know it's tough. I know the enemy has there, but you're a blood-washed blood child of God. You can escape that bondage of sin. You can walk in the holiness and the freedom by which Christ made you free. Come on, pick it up. Come on, stand up straight because the sin that you're in will kill you. You will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account someday. And we need the church. Not only We're not looking at the church for judgment. That's up to Jesus. But to gather together and say, come on now, let's pick it up. Let's get out of the adultery. Let's get out of the fornication. Let's get out of the lying and the cheating. Let's get out of those things that easily surround you and bind you. How can I help you? How can I pray with you? How can I encourage you to walk in the light? See, the reason people don't want to come is they're like, I feel judged. People aren't judging you. Sin is judging you. When you get around people trying to say, come on, don't sin, you're like, I don't want to talk about that. I feel judged. But they're not judging you. They don't even have the power to judge you. The Bible says when you sin, it in itself brings condemnation. But that's what Jesus died for is to break the power of sin, that there therefore is now no condemnation to those who live in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. He said, you want to get free of that feeling? He said, just go ahead and keep coming to church. Keep hearing the word of God. Church, don't judge people. Don't come down on them. Encourage them to come up and to, to raise to the place that God has set a standard and a place for them to walk in because it's far better. Life and peace is far better than sin and death. Come on, we can't allow the teaching of grace to make it sound like we can do whatever we want. It won't matter. We have an undeniable redemption. And if we deny the power of the blood to set us free so we continue to walk in the flesh, he said your freedom isn't to walk in the flesh. Your freedom is to serve the living God. My freedom is to serve the living God. We all have challenges with it. I'm not judging you this morning. I'm telling you that you can rise above and people will undeniably say, what is going on with you? You're changing daily. Something's going on. And you know it's because the blood of Jesus washed me. That stuff of my past is gone. I'm not subject to that anymore. I'm not a debtor to my flesh any longer. But come on, you got you to gotta stand with me. When was the last time you read that scripture or heard that scripture read? But that's New Testament. He's talking about his church, saying, listen, we've got a covenant with God. Jesus, the high priest, went behind the veil. There's a hope that's immovable. It's anchored right in there at the throne of God, and it's to keep a hold of you. He said, but you can't go out and act like that never happened without devaluing the precious blood of Jesus. Come on now, whatever you're facing, whatever I'm facing, we can go freely to the throne of grace and declare the precious blood that was shed and immediately receive forgiveness and cleansing by that blood. Why? Because you are undeniably redeemed by that blood if you've accepted Jesus. If you said, listen, I don't want to be a slave of, any, of sin anymore, I accept that price that was paid. 
You be Lord of my life. He says, I'll be Lord of your life. I'll take you out of sin. I'll wash you clean. He said, I'll put new clothes on your back. I'll put a ring on your finger. We'll kill a fatted calf. We'll have a celebration. All heaven will rejoice. I'll give you a new call. I'll give you new equipping. I'll give you new strength. I'll put within you my spirit, and he'll produce a new lifestyle full of love and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. He said, I'll give you wisdom beyond your, your, your natural ability. I'll give you the knowledge of God that will provide everything that you have need of. He said, where you were groping in darkness, you didn't know what was available. You are subjecting yourself to the course of this world. I'll pick you up. I'll wash you off. I'll set your feet on a solid rock, and I'll equip you for life like you've never been equipped before. And the life will happen all around you. Something on the inside of you will strengthen you because you've been redeemed. And every time the enemy comes and says, no, you have to do this, and you have to do this, you said, no, I don't have to do anything that you tell me to do anymore because I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And I'm no longer subject to sin or my mistakes, but I'm only subject to one Lord and one master, and that's Jesus himself. And I follow the word and I follow the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 tells us that we were redeemed from the curse of the law. It says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus became cursed for us so that we could be redeemed or purchased out of the curse of the law, poverty, sickness, and spiritual death, so that the blessings of Abraham might come upon you. He didn't just take you out of that so he could enslave you to something else. He took you out of the slavery of sin and the destruction of sin so that all the blessings of Abraham to be multiplied, to be fruitful, to enjoy, and to possess your land would be there for you because you're no longer subject to sin, but you've been brought into the very promises of God. He redeemed you from the curse of the law. Undeniably, sin has no more hold on you. Secondly, he gave you his redemption, purchase, forgiveness for you. Come on, if you're forgiven, you're washed. You no longer have to go back and feel guilty for the mistakes that you've made. In the church, we have this issue that we have not yet fully understood the cleansing power of the blood. When something goes on, we return and say, well, I've made so many mistakes, but I've made so many mistakes. I keep messing up. I just keep messing up. The moment you realize, I don't have to mess up anymore, that stuff is totally washed clean. It's not even a part of my life anymore. Come on, totally done away with. Praise the Lord. Come on, we're so glad. We were talking about that a little bit more. It might come back in style, but I'm so glad, you know, that I'm not wearing those 1980s OP shorts that are about this short. <laughs> We've been redeemed from that. It's gone. We don't have to wear those anymore. Thank God. I mean, there's things in the natural you're just like, thank God, I don't have to do that anymore. But listen, you can do the same thing with the enemy. You can do the same thing with that, that temptation that comes to you. No, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't have to do that. He says, oh, come on now. You want to. Come on. Everybody else is doing it. You're like, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't have to do that anymore. Come on. Even if they come back, I'm not doing it. 
Those young guys can do it if they want. I'm not doing it anymore. Come on. Being redeemed empowers you and I to live holy. It's undeniable. We're forgiven. We don't have to live in sin anymore. The 103rd Psalm, as he says to his soul, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits. The one who forgave all my iniquities and healed all my diseases, he goes on in verse 4 to say, The one who redeemed my life from destruction. He redeemed my life from destruction. Listen to this. I love this psalm. He crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercy. He satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle. You want to get some energy back? Start listening to what you're saying. He said, he filled my mouth with good things so that my youth could be renewed. You start talking bad things, you'll start feeling old. You start talking negative all the time, you'll start feeling old. You'll start dragging around. Fill your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards us who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. Come on, when he redeemed our life, he said, man, whatever your transgressions, I have removed them. I am not dealing with you. You are not sick in your body. You are not financially, things aren't coming against you because I'm holding your sin against you. I am not dealing with you according to your sin, but I'm dealing with you according to the righteousness that comes through the blood of Jesus. Come on, church, we got to get that through our mind. I'm redeemed by the blood. There's stuff out there happening. There's stuff coming against me. The enemy's bringing that, but God is not dealing with me according to my mistakes and my transgression any longer. We can't stay in transgression. We can't keep making mistakes. He says he won't do that. At some point, there'll be a place of accounting. But he says, right now, you need to know. Quit making those mistakes. Quit banking on those. He's redeemed us. Come on, it's an eternal redemption. Hebrews chapter 9 says, It's not with the blood of bulls and goats, but the precious blood of Jesus, that he's brought to us an eternal redemption to set us free from the things of the flesh to serve the living God. Turn over to Revelation chapter 5. I'm getting ready to close here. It says, Now when he had taken, away, taken the scroll, verse 8, Revelation 5, 8, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe, out of every tongue, out of every people, and every nation. Now listen, this is what redemption does. It takes us away from everything we've done, and he said, And have made us kings and priests unto our God, and we shall reign on the earth. We have an undeniable redemption that set us free from sin and death so that sin in our life no longer has dominion over us. But as Romans 5 says, if we'll receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we will reign in this life through one Jesus Christ. Come on, to be the church undeniable, 
We can't deny our redemption, but we have to embrace the blood and what Jesus did for us. And we need to get within our heart and within our mouth. As the psalmist said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on, there's going to be a place where you have to say, listen, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. It might be daily, it might be hourly, but at some point you have to say, I'm redeemed. Undeniably, I'm no longer going back. I'm not a slave of that. My life has been purchased, and I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Job was going through a whole bunch of stuff. He wasn't looking good. His flesh wasn't looking good. He said, I wish I had a stone to chisel this on. He said, but I'll tell you one thing. My Redeemer lives. And he said, even if my flesh gets torn off, I'm telling you that in this body, I will see my redemption because my Redeemer lives. No matter what you're going through, you need to know that the blood of Jesus was shed and you declare, my Redeemer lives. I'm not serving some God who's holding it against me. I'm not serving some God made with stone. I'm serving a living God. My Redeemer lives. Revelation chapter 12. Why don't you all stand up? Revelation chapter 12. He's talking about the accuser of the brethren coming and making accusation. You might leave here today feeling pretty good. You might get to Wednesday. You might not even make it till tonight. And the enemy comes and says, well, that was all good and fine. He was just preaching. You fulfilled your time to go to church. But you know, you want to do what you always do. You know, you're just, your life's a mess. You know, you can't, you can't really walk in that. What's he doing? He's accusing you. He's accusing you. He is the accuser of the brethren. He wants to tell you you can't do it. You're not going to measure up. You're, you make a mistake. And then he's going to come to God and say, God, look at what they've done. Look at the mistake. So you feel condemned over the whole thing. But he said, listen, in the revelation John had, he said, listen, this is how... When the accuser of the brethren came, this is how they overcame him. When those voices come, when that temptation comes, when that accusation comes, don't go, oh man, I hate it. I hate it when this happens. You stand up and you say, I'm blood bought, I'm blood washed. It says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You just tell him, listen, that's not who I am anymore. I receive the blood of the Lamb, and my testimony is I'm forgiven. I've been made righteous. He'll accuse you. He'll say, well, you're not living like it. And you say, but I'm justified, and I'll start living like it because the blood set me free. The blood washed me and sanctified me. Come on, you got to say it. You got to say it. You can't just think it because you'll hammer you. When you get to come, you're going to have to say, listen, here's my testimony. I'm washed in the blood. Here's my testimony. I received the price, and now I'm his, and he's mine. I'm not the same old person I used to be. An undeniable redemption. It's unquestionably the most excellent price that's ever been paid 
for any life at any time. It's just simply true that if you receive it, you've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. If you're watching today or if you're here in this room and you never made Jesus the Lord of your life, never said, come into my heart and be the master, be the Lord of my life. But you realize today that he redeemed you. He wants your past to be washed. Like 2 Corinthians says that any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. And now everything is of God who's reconciled us to himself. You say, that's what I want. He says, you just confess Jesus as Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. If you're here today and we went through Hebrews chapter 10 and it's bothering you just a little bit. Oh my gosh, I've known Jesus for a long time, but I just got casual and I've been sinning and it hadn't been bothering me. Now's a great day to say, you know what? I'm coming back. I'm undeniably redeemed by the blood. I don't have to do that anymore. And just come back and say, Jesus, I recommit to you being the Lord of my life. I confess my sin, and he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Brand new start today. If you're in any one of those two areas, just pray this. We'll all pray it together, but from your heart, pray with us. Say, Father God.